Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, uh, the uh, November 11th of 2020. And we are so delighted uh, that you would join us. We want to welcome all our listeners, wherever you're tuning in from on this Wednesday. We are now at the middle of the week. And uh, it's always a privilege and an honor to be able uh, to share this time of fellowship in the Word together. I know I would say most of us that are tuning in is because we are being prompted by the Holy Spirit to search the Scriptures. And we have been this week in the book of Revelation, and we have been studying some very uh, 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 interesting and, and powerful passages. And I think the Lord, I believe the Lord is allowing us to see these passages in perhaps ways that we have never considered or maybe we have. And we are praying that the Lord will, will continue to give, you know, you the listener and us too, the clarity that we need as we go forward. These are exciting times. The book of Revelation, many people are, are afraid to read it. They're afraid to study it, but it's there. It, it, you know, it wasn't left there just uh, for people, uh, for a certain, no, it was left for the saints of God. It was left there for us to read it because it is concerning what is going to take place in this hour, which we are going to be part of it. But it's exciting, and it's exciting because it tells us that the coming of the Lord is near than when we first begun. And so let us have ears today and eyes, and let us have our word today available to us to study these things, and we pray that we can be a blessing to you today. In our panel, we have Brother Marty uh, and Brother Fernando joining us today, and as always, it is a privilege and honor to be able to study the Word of God together, so I'll leave it to you, uh, Brother Marty, uh, as we continue uh, to, to study. You know, Brother Marty, I just wanted to say that I think in, in the hearts of many of us, we have desired to know what the book of Revelation speaks about. Mm. And, uh, and it, but it's, it's kind of difficult. Uh, there's just so much confusion. I don't know if it's confusion or just so many opinions of how to see it, you know, literally, spiritually, or, or whatnot. But I really think uh, that it's not a coincidence, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, that God has us in the book of Revelation. And I think that there are so many things that uh, if we have eyes to see, this is the time where God is unlocking uh, the seal <laughs> and revealing this book to us in ways that are very powerful. And I just wanted to say that because I think in our hearts there is a desire to know what the book of Revelation is saying in this hour. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. We're looking forward to, to today as well. And, and I'm glad you said that because, you know, uh, it, it is in many ways a, a book that was revealed and laid open revealed, but little understood parts, uh, components of it, uh, you know, things that we could explore and, and learn from it, see, wonder at, all those things. But when we take you know, the uh, the thoughts of Scripture itself, uh, as we were yesterday looking in Daniel chapter 12, uh, where the angel told Daniel, uh, you know, these things are sealed up. They're, they're closed. Uh, and they will not begin to be understood until the time of the end. 
and and we talked about at length yesterday what the difference was between the last days uh, and the time of the end. You know, the last days being uh, the when Christ came, when he was born. That's what is revealed to us in Hebrews chapter 1, where it says that God has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Well, subsequently in Daniel chapter 12, we also know that though the last days began with the appearance of Christ in his earthly ministry, his birth and death and resurrection, the last days began, we also know from Scripture that the end times mark a specific generation. And that in that end time, uh, that the word would be opened, that the Holy Spirit would be able to reveal uh, to those that he calls the wise. And and uh, there is a purification process, a, a the stress of the times themselves, um, you know, applying pressure uh, to the heat uh, and heat to the life of the believer, bringing us through a purification process. Uh, and, and at the same time, there seems to be a supernatural uh, implied component in that in that pressure that comes upon us that it will begin to unlock uh, within within the uh, you know, within our thoughts and within our spirit revelation given to us by the Holy Spirit concerning the prophecies of God. And what makes the, the, the book of Revelation unique uh, to me is that I, I can't think of any other place, uh, you know, where it specifically says. Like it says in Revelation 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed is he uh, that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and uh, keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So we have a special command uh, uh, given to us here uh, or blessing, uh, you know, decreed upon all who will read, hear, and protect and keep the things that are revealed in the, in, in the word of God here. So even as we're recording these things and discussing these things, we're being told that a, that a spiritual blessing is is flowing, and that uh, that we must keep the things that He reveals to us, guard them, protect them, and keep them within our hearts, and and obey what's written within the Word of God here. So it's an exciting time, and and, and we're we're continuing this this with this podcast on uh, what we've titled the patience and the faith of the saints. And this is our third podcast, and those of you who are just joining us, we encourage you when you have the time to go back and listen to the first two and to bring yourself up to speed. So we're going to begin today with Brother Jeremy reading to us again from Revelation chapter 13, verse 5 through 7 today, 5 through 7, as we continue to explore these things and uh, and discover what it is the Spirit is saying to the churches. We ask God's blessing on on the reading of his word and the discussion of his word. In Jesus' name we pray. Brother Jim. Amen. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, and tongues, and nations. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. We're discussing, uh, uh, as we said, uh, the things that... Uh, 
that that we've uh, been looking at here in the book of Revelation. And, you know, as we've been discussing, we believe that the events in many ways of 2020, they're, they're not disconnected. You know, they're not random occurrences. Uh, but quite possibly they are, in fact, you know, events that have furthered along, if you want to say it that way, further along and in earnest, uh, what has been revealed in the prophetic scriptures would occur in the end time. You know, when we're reflecting upon what the prophets and the holy apostles told us, you know, what we see as an important trigger uh, to alert the end time generation of saints that indeed the time of the end has arrived is when the when when events are not random i mean i mean this way you know random in the sense that they occur here and there but when the bible seems to be implying that when they occur simultaneously when they begin to occur at the same time and they are planet wide that is they are global they're happening at the same time, and they're happening all over the planet, all over the world. The prophets and the holy apostles, the Lord himself, told us that these would be, or this would be, uh, to the discerning generation who finds themselves living at these times, uh, would be the big sign. You know, we've always had signs. We've always had natural disasters and, you know, wars and rumors of wars. All those things have been occurring consistently for a 2,000-year period now. But what would mark the end time was, was when the events would begin to transpire simultaneously on a global scale. And not only that, but able to be witnessed by the whole world at the same time. You know, for instance, if I lived in, in Peru, you know, and, and, uh, and there was a, the great earthquake uh, in the first or second century, I would uh, that occurs, let's say, in Jerusalem or in the Middle East, I would never know it happened. I would have never really understood the the, the Roman Empire, let's say, because I'm on the other side of the planet. Uh, but what makes our time unique is that the signs that have been, you know, spoken to us at length in the Scripture uh, through the through the holy prophets and apostles and the Lord Himself, uh, and what has been revealed to us. Uh, the, the the big picture, the big trigger event, the big sign, or I don't know how else to say it, uh, it that, that we had entered uh, the end time would be that these events would begin to happen all over the world at the same time, and that the people of the planet would have the capacity to experience them at the same time. Everybody would know. Everybody would see. Everybody would come under the influence uh, of the 24 hours news cycle, so to speak. That has never been the case, ever, in history. You know, even in the heat of World War II, you know, if you look at some of those old movies or those old documentaries, the way that people used to get their information, for instance, here in the United States, is let's say when they went to the movie house or they went to the public square where someone would set up a projector and then they would bring you the news and people would gather around and see what was actually happening uh, you know, on the other side of the world, but most times it would be two, three weeks after the fact. So uh, <laughs> what makes our times different is that whatever happens in Moscow is known in Washington, D.C. instantly. Whatever goes on in Jerusalem 
can be, uh, you know, instantly known in Beijing or Paris or name any other city or territory on the face of the planet. Even when our travels at the beginning of the 21st century, when we went and spent much time throughout Africa and the third world nations, you know, what's interesting was that they all had satellite dishes, no matter how poor they were, and many of them carried cell phones and computers and were connected. It's it's advanced so far beyond early 2000 to where we are today in 2020. But the fact of the matter is, again, the whole world has come up under the, uh, you know, the sway of the events of the day. And, and these things are impacting the globe at, at the same time, and everybody's aware of it. And so this is how we know that we've entered, uh, you know, into the big sign, so to speak, the big times of the fulfillment of prophecy. 2020 is exactly like this. And and this is why our spiritual sense, really, uh, you know, it's being heightened. And, and we're searching the Holy Scriptures, my brothers and I, and all those of you who are students out there, in earnest. You know, really, that's how these podcasts got started. It was the it was event driven. You know, when we started these podcasts back in March, it was a result of, of all that was transpiring that was so outrageous. If you remember how we felt back then, which seems like a long time ago, but it's it's only been several months because so much has been happening. Um, you know, this is what brought us to the place where we began to search the scriptures and come to come to you who have been listening. So, you know, <laughs> what we're exploring is it is not only, uh, you know, seeking light and understanding upon current events, but but we're also seeking the counsel, uh, you know, and, and yielding to the reproof, if you will, and being led by the guidance of the Holy Spirit concerning, uh, you know, that which is yet to unfold. So, in other words, in, in seeking what we're, in seeking what we are to look for and, and expect, uh, you know, not only what we're looking for, but also expect um, what is yet to come. We are we're going to become better equipped uh, in order to prepare ourselves with precision, spirit, soul, and body, not only for ourselves and our families, but also for our community of of our brothers and sisters in the church. And sad to say, in, in many places, our brothers and sisters in the church are wandering like sheep without a shepherd. And so, you know, the end time that we find ourselves in right now, uh, it necessitates that we have strategic thinking, not in the wisdom of the world, but in the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ through the revelation and guidance of his Holy Spirit, really. Remember this, that the Lord Jesus, he, he gave us instruction by both the plain word that he spoke and his parables. And so the wise, therefore, you know, they seek his counsel by what he taught and by what, and by what his holy prophets and holy apostles revealed in the word of God. So understand what is being revealed to us as we're exploring the book of Revelation the devil satan he he begins and is moving in a strategic way and he's moving against the lord's church that's what we're talking about he goes forth to make war right so that is what revelation 13 reveals 
And so what we're talking about, you know, we are talking about, and what we're looking at is how does this war against the saints, because we t we're talking about having strategic thinking now. And, and, and so we want to ask the question, how does the war against the saints take shape? How do we recognize it? And if we can understand the mode of attack of the enemy, then we can prepare and respond both spiritually and strategically. Now, some would be saying, well, what? why would you have to do that? Well, <laughs> if you read the word, the word tells us that that's how we're supposed to react. Uh, Jeremy, turn over, would you please, as we begin to discuss these things in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and, and we want to look at some things there uh, briefly before we get into the balance of our study here. And you brothers, please jump in at any time. Because today I want to look at the strategic way that the Bible tells us that he will come against us. And, in, and as we go along, we're going to see he has already initiated his attack. It's just not going to be you know, fully realized until the final three and a half years of human history, which is what Brother Jeremy read in in Revelation 13, 5, concerning the Antichrist, right? He's given 42 months at the end of human history to do his thing. And so we know leading up to that 42 months, there is much that has been transpiring, has transpired, and is yet to transpire. And it is our duty as your brothers in the Lord to begin to, to uh, you know, snap the troops that listen to us in order and begin to, to jar you. It is my hope that we all get jarred by these things and understand we're not, to, we're not, as men of God, as people in charge of our own homes, we're not supposed to just sit back passively and let the devil just run ripshot over us. We need to be strategic thinkers at this time. We need to understand how God deals with us and, and respond strategically. You were going to say, brother? You know, I think it's uh, it's not a cool, I mean, it, it's sad what I'm going to tell you, but through uh, in, in the church today, um, the people, most people are, t are taught, and, and I think you, you mentioned it, Brother Fernando mentioned it, that you only read Revelation, the book of Revelation, to a certain chapter because the rest of the chapters don't apply to us. You know, and that's the danger of, of yeah. some of these doctrines. You know, we're not going to be here to, you know, so why should we, you know, why should I want to know something that I'm not going to be here when it happens? And <laughs> and that's why I think it's, it's so important what you're saying, because uh, you started the podcast reading um, Revelation chapter one, uh, verse three, blessed is he that read it. So here we see that God is telling us, read it. First, read read what's here, and they that yeah. hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things, and I think yeah. that's what we're we're talking about. It's the keeping, uh, the keeping of those things which are written there for, and 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 in a strategically and spiritual manner, because yeah. it's not about if it's coming; it's going to come, and we're going to be here. And like you said, it's not just going to be. I'm I'm saying a little bit. I'm saying it a little bit differently. But it's not just going to be persecution. It's not just going to be dumped on us. Does that make sense? <laughs> Probably yeah. the wrong word to use, but but it, it's a it's a process that is going to intensify, intensify, intensify as the days go by. 
But I just wanted to point out the condition that many church, people in the church today don't even care about what we're talking about because it, they say it doesn't apply to them. That's the way they've been taught. If you, if you, believe, the, if you believe the pre-tribulation rapture, this global pandemic and everything that's going on around the world right now should make you begin to question it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because as far as we knew, when we were being taught these things, and 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 I grew up being a pre-tripper too, and mm-hmm. and that's all I knew. And basically, what they would say is that don't worry about it. None of these harsh things the Book of Revelation talks about these global things. They're not gonna they're not gonna affect us. We'll be gone by then. Well, whoa, it's 2020 right now, and we are. <laughs> in a global situation of the likes that we've never seen in the history of mankind that affects every man around the world before it was, you know, when, when these, when these global agendas began to rise up, it was, it was in pockets of around the globe and and it was snuffed quickly, you know, but, but now this whole situation is, it's, it's here. And we have to begin to ask ourselves, you know, is this going to end anytime soon? Or is this the beginning of something that's going to be the norm? And if it is something that's going to begin to be the norm, then we have to begin to really reassess what we believe uh, concerning uh, the the end times, right? And, and and what the Book of Revelation teaches. That's really good, both of you. What you're saying there. Again, yeah. I mean, because like we said, you know, if we understand the mode of the attack. Uh, then we can prepare and respond, like Brother Jeremy said, both spiritually and strategically. It's both, and, and we see that example. And there's and the and the <laughs> and the word is replete with examples of this kind of response to uh, prophetic times. That that is what we see in Hebrews chapter eleven. Are you there, Brother Jeremy? Yes, yes, I am. Can you read that to us? Uh, I think it's. Where, uh, let's see, what is that? Verse 5 through 7, I think. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, actually, start with the... Uh, well, yeah. Well, and I'll start with verse 6 and then, and then go through uh, verse 7. Hebrews 11, 6 through 7. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an art to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So again, we're talking about what we're witnessing here. And like you, you brothers have been mentioning over the last several podcasts, you know, uh, the, the Lord told us that it would be as it was in the days of Noah. And many times, you know, we, we, we talk about the flood and judgment coming as being the days of Noah, but but the Bible goes to you know uh, great length to tell us how Noah acted in those days. So we have both a spiritual component and a strategic response. 
we're first told in verse six that that you that he was one who comes to God, as as were all of those in this Hall of Fame chapter of faith. But uh, but they are diligent seekers of God, and and it's in that diligent seeking that Noah was warned of God of things that have not yet come to pass. So what we learn from that, and what's being uh, revealed to us there. Is that, it, there, is that there is, uh, in the days of Noah, he he was uh, given advance notice of something that was coming. And we know that's the flood, right? But <clears throat> he was warned of God precisely because he was a diligent seeker after God. So what we know by that is that the kind of information that we're talking about right now, and what is revealed in, in the book of Revelation, and the understanding, the proper discerning of how the Spirit speaks, is, is known by those that are diligent seekers of God. Do not think that you're going to just come up under this, these times that, that we've already entered into, and, and, and think that you're going to have any kind of North Star moment you know, anywhere, you know, some compass uh, moment, some arriving at some position of some sudden spiritual, you know, enlightenment that you're going to have in all things that pertain to the prophetic scriptures and how God is speaking. If you've never spent time with him, if you don't seek him, if you don't fall on your knees and call out to him and search his scriptures and, and, and have a, a relationship with him, uh, it is those that diligently seek him that will be given privileged information. It is not an exclusive club in the sense that it has a class system because Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come to me. So this is open yeah. invitation to all men. But there was something that Noah began to sense in his days precisely because he had a relationship with God. He was a diligent yeah. seeker of God. And and that is what is happening. The reward that Noah received was privileged information of the times. That is what it is revealed here in verse 7. He was warned of God of things not seen yet. So what he was shown was what was coming. And that is precisely what we are uh, exploring when we've been uh, going into, and we're going deeper today in, in this mode of thinking as we explore Revelation 13, and we're laying out the prophetic thesis to you that we have arrived in these days, and we're going to see it. Now listen, Noah warned of God of things not yet seen. We are sensing that there are yet things that are ahead of us. They haven't fully materialized yet, but, but there is a warning in our hearts. There is that sense that we can't settle in. Like Brother Fernando was just saying, uh, are we going back to the way it was? Really? Right. Unless you've just crawled out from underneath a, a rock or something, man. This world has increased in many ways uh, in in the darkness that can be felt. Yeah, right. How do you right? How do you recover from where we've come from? We have gone so far out from the from the dock, if you will. <laughs> How do you get back to what was before? You can't, man. 
the whole world has changed, see. And there is a sense in the hearts of, of the diligent seekers of God that something precarious and much more extreme is just ahead of us. And so what we've been talking about is that we, we also know, because of what the Lord reveals in his gospel, that much like Israel was when Jesus made his appearance, they were as sheep without a shepherd. They were wandering, guideless. And, 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 and it moved the Lord with compassion, and he sent his servants out to, to, to begin to attempt to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, in many ways, it's that way right now, especially across the landscape of the United States, precisely because the kinds of things that we've been coming to you with and talking about as we have felt moved by the Spirit, are the kinds of things that are going to be necessary to, to anchor our soul, to wake us up, and to get us to adequately and properly respond to the events of the day from a spiritual perspective, and yet also with a strategic uh, implementation of that which the Spirit leads us to do, first for ourselves, for our families, for our, and for our brothers and sisters in the community of our church and our loved ones. We must yeah. respond right, right? So that, that's, that's an what aspect. We... Go ahead, brother. brother. Brother Marty, that's an aspect of the gospel that is not preached. Is the responsibility or the response to the gospel? Because the, the gospel requires a response. Yeah. And and this and this is what we see in verse seven. This is exactly you know what you're saying. A response. How to respond strategic, strategically and spiritually. Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear. He responded. He responded yeah. to the warning of God. And that's where I think uh, that, that's an aspect of the gospel that it's not taught very much. It's just like if God is just going to do everything for us and like you said, all of a sudden we're just going to have this enlightenment. And no, 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 no. At, whenever you hear the gospel and you hear things like this, the responsibility now is on you as the believer, as the one mm -hmm. who is listening to us. What are you going to do with the information that is being given to you? What are, are you going to do with the warnings that are being presented to you? Are we just going to sit here and just kind of let things happen? Or are we going to adequately prepare ourselves? You know, um, even in the form, the form that we pray, I'm, I'm even right now. God, prepare me. I know what's coming. God, that when it, you know, that's spiritual preparation and also strategically, which which also yes. you can include there, which which encumbers the practical. You know, Amen. what are you doing in, in in practical ways? What are you doing to prepare so that you can respond if something happens? Let me put it to you like this. Let's say we're just absolutely wrong and we've gone nuts, right? And none <laughs> of this happens. Praise God. That means Jesus is coming. We're not going to go to it. We're leaving out of this. Praise God. But what if we're right? What if, what if what we're telling you, and I know it's right, but what if it's right, are you going to be prepared? Because many Christians, and it's sad to say, but many people will not be able to know how to respond, or they're going to respond maybe too late, like in the days of Noah. 
You don't think people were knocking at that door when that when that rain began to fall? And Noah opened the door for us, but he could not open it because they had gotten their opportunity before. That's really good. So, yeah, and, and you were making me think there when you were speaking of Father Noah there in verse 7, being warned of God of things not yet seen, and you were talking about the practical aspects of how he responded. In in what he saw and, and sensed was coming, what God showed him was coming. And we've talked about this at length if you go back into our podcast and look at our Genesis 6 series, right, when we talked about Noah. But, but we're looking at this from the point of view that we're talking about today, which is the patience and the faith of the saints and how to spiritually and strategically respond to our times, practically, like Brother Jeremy said. Pray, yes, but prepare also. See, Noah did both. What what also intrigues me here is what it says right after uh, in verse seven, Noah being warned of God of things not yet uh, not seen as yet, moved with fear. See that that is better really translated was moved by fear or moved with fear. It has a sense because that word fear literally means like a reverence toward God. I think that's what that word fear means there. Can you look that up, Brother Jeremy? It, yeah, it means to be circum, circumspect, to be apprehend, apprehensive, uh, to reverence. That's what it means, mm-hmm. to, to act cautiously, to to act, to act fear, to stand yeah. in awe of. All of that is mixed up in that, in that right? So you have, you have a combination of, a, of emotional responses, practical responses, and spiritual responses. That's what that's the list you just gave us there. To be circumspect means to be serious. You know, we went through a phase in the church where everybody was a comedian. You know, the Jesse Duplantis of the world. And for those of you who don't know who that is, he was like famous for all he ever did was tell jokes. Or the frivolity of how the gospel was so called gospel was being presented. You know, there there's no seriousness to it. But see, this, these diligent seekers, um, one of the aspects that Brother Jeremy just read of being moved with fear are those who understand and begin to hone in and focus, to become circumspect, to be serious believers. These are serious matters we're talking about. We're not putting out information for the sake of intrigue or fascination or subject exploration <laughs> you want to say it right i mean we're we're like brother jeremy said we're either crazy or we've actually stumbled into something here so to speak uh that has got our attention the times themselves have gotten our attention and so we must move with serious precision that's what noah did he was overcome with a seriousness he responded Seriously. Now, you can't go around telling everybody everything, right? Because Jesus said, look, don't you cast your pearls before swine. And literally, he meant the unclean. Yes. Don't think that, that you know, you know. It, sometimes it's better to pray for your loved one than to, to show up with your hair on fire and say, you need to get your act together because they won't receive it. <laughs> right? Right. But you can pray and watch the Spirit turn their heart. They'll remember where to go, trust me. They're not going to go down to the the joker down the street who all he ever does is entertain on a Sunday morning and he calls himself a preacher. 
But when the when when it begins to dawn on many of them, they're going to go to the only place that they will remember was was where the serious believer was, and and the ones who who lived a life before them. Now listen, and reverence, right? Because that's what the word means. Also, a reverence or an awe for God. When it when it begins to filter in to your system, to the very psyche of your being, to the depth of our spirit, those moments when the sense of God and the profound realization, like Noah had, that these times were unique to his generation and he was privileged precisely because of the relationship of, of his diligent seeking and worship of God, that he, he had access to insight that others didn't have. And it, it, it descended upon him and produced an awe and a seriousness. And this is what we are seeking uh, from God in, 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 in including uh, our strategic response to him is that is that we we respond in kind with information given to us by the Holy Spirit with a seriousness because I tell you what he's not going to entrust us with with privileged information if what he gives us we 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 just pass it off as as some sort of you know nothing to be paid attention to or 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 casually respond to what he tries to tell us He'll move on down the road. But those that are serious, and I know that if you're listening to these podcasts, you're serious. Because <laughs> we don't tap dance around you. We come to you from the perspective of the word, my brothers and I. It, it, it produces a sense of awe. An overwhelming sense of awe. Yes. Uh, Go ahead, Brother, Brother Marty. There's a uh, there's something that the Bible says about Abraham in in Genesis chapter 18 verse 19, and in the wording of it is just powerful. It's connected to what we're talking about. It says in Genesis 18 verse 19 it says, "For I know him that he will command his children and his mm-hmm. household after him, and Praise they God. shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment." that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And what you were just talking about, you know, that's what made it triggered me to go to search this uh, scripture. Yeah, and um, read the scripture before that, brother. Read the scripture before that. Yes. Seeing that Abraham shall, shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Powerful. And before that, I'm and, sorry, I'm thinking of the... Where he says, shall I withhold that thing which I'm about to do? Does yes. Say that something else? Yeah. yeah, verse 17, yeah. So yeah, the verse before, okay. he says, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And what was that he was so, about to do? Destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. That's an excellent scripture you just brought out there, brother. That 
uh, he, the the privileged information came to Father Abraham precisely because of what you read. Can you read that list again? What was that, verse 19? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the first scripture that I read? <laughs> yeah. The first verse. Okay. For I know him that he will For command. I know him, right? Well, stop, stop yes. right there. That's the pattern we see here in, in, in Hebrews 11 with Noah. In, right, because he said those that diligently seek God have relationship with God. That's the first thing God says, right? I know Him. Praise God. Go ahead. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's good. Um, that He will command His children mm -hmm. and His household after Him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. Praise God. Excellent scripture. And it, and, it, and it goes with what we're talking about here. So God said, look, and just like the Lord told us, right? Yeah, and not only will it be like the days of Noah, it'll be like the days of Lot, right? The days of Sodom and Gomorrah when it was judged. So we see that same revelation being given to us in the scripture of how to respond. There God begins to um, you know, reveal to us the quality and the character of the man, Abraham. And it necessitated revelation of prophetic events. It, it talked about how he would teach his children. So he's a man who cares for his own house. He'll respond correctly. And his household, which, you know, which, which, which is enlarged from our inner circle to an outer circle, that which concerns him. In our case, we could talk about our fellow brothers and sisters and our communities, those within our communities that we know can handle what it is that God is telling us. But it's a beautiful thing that that the Lord had you read there because it's it's the same thing. As we go back to Hebrews 11, again, we're talking about strategically responding uh, to what God is revealing and why it's necessary in the times that we're living in. And, and we take examples, lest people think we're crazy, right? We're, we're giving you biblical examples of how others in days before us responded in their prophetic times. The judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah was a prophetic time, so much so that Jesus uh, uses it as an example for the end time generation to study it, just like Brother Jeremy quoted Father Abraham, how he responded, why things were revealed to him. The same with the days of Noah. How did he respond? What happened? How did the information come to him? And what settled over him was that seriousness and that awe of God, and it's and then and then he strategically responds in the natural, right? In verse seven, he prepares yeah. an ark. That's practical. He could have he could have he could have simply said, "Man, I had this unbelievable revelation from God, right? This flood is coming, and it's going to be awful. Uh, I just hope God rescues us, right?" I mean, God told him what to do, but he still had to put, you know, some sweat into it, right? Some sweat equity, if you will, some spiritual, you know, intensity followed by some physical sweat equity. He had to do something. He prepared an ark, and it saved his house. And in so doing, he condemned the world. See, we're talking about end-time things. The, the response of the church in this time will be the very thing that brings the wrath of God upon the world. Because what we are being told is that the energy of, of global history and the ungodly 
is going to be channeled exclusively toward the church of the living God in the final 42 months of human history, which we are fast approaching. And leading up to that, being warned of that, which has not yet come to pass, we need to respond as long as we can. We need to understand, and we're going to see here in a couple seconds, uh, how it's revealed to us and, and what we need to do in accordance with that. So that's 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 what that's what Father Noah did, and and we see the same thing happen in our study in the Book of Acts. But Jeremy, turn over there, would you, to Acts chapter eleven, just for another example. In the early church, which is in many times it's almost like a miniature uh, historical account of what what we'll what we'll see on a larger scale here. Are you there, brother? Yes. Acts chapter 11, read to us uh, verse uh, 27 through uh, through 30. Yes. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So here's a perfect example. There's many symbolisms here too, you know, metaphors if you want to call it. Um, it it's something that would affect the whole world. And it was a prophetic word that was given to the church uh, th th where they were first called Christians <laughs> in Antioch. And, and so it, it, we see how they responded. God sent the prophets to reveal to his anointed ones, his, 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 his church, in the days of Claudius Caesar, up under a Roman state, a global empire, something that affected the whole world. They were warned of it in advance. And what did they do in verse 29? They strategically responded. They each contributed what they could in preparation of it and also helped others in Jerusalem, their brothers in Judea. And so the point is this. They strategically responded to the prophetic insight of what they knew was coming well in advance before it came. And this is why we are exploring what we're exploring now. Because in case you, like we said, in case you just fell off the apple cart or something, man, what's happening around us all over the world is is prophetic. It's in the scriptures. And, and if you have eyes to see, then you will see and you will respond accordingly. It, it's going to require more than just prayer. You're going to need to do practical things like Brother Jeremy said. You're going to need to prepare strategically for your family. If, if for any reason, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm not even going to say that. It's just prudent to always be prepared in whatever way you can anyway. You know, I mean, you never know what's going to come. If you're in Florida today, you know, you're probably trying to get groceries off the grocery shelf, but you can't because you waited too long, even though they told you a week ago a hurricane was headed your way. Or if you're in California, they constantly preach to you, man, there might be an earthquake that might knock up power and you can't get nothing, you know, so you always should have something, at least a week's supply or three days supply of the things that you're going to need for your families and so forth and so on. So even though the wisdom of the world has prudence in it, yeah, but we're, 
Go ahead. Are you going to say something, brother? No, that's true. I'm agreeing with you, brother. I mean, we live in California, and we, the scientists, are, are, are keep, they keep telling us, hey, something's about to happen. Be ready. They yes. teach that. They they have emergency procedures in our, I mean, at least they used to. I think they still do in our public schools, you know, what to do in case of of, a, of an earthquake uh, and, and so forth. So even the world in that in that sense is prudent. And if the world is prudent in that sense, how much more us Christians should heed and 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 be ready you know um uh begin to amass something have something you know yeah well i don't have money what well, little by little a little check a little bit from this check here i can you know buy these and the next check i can get this and, and you just begin to uh just being prudent that's what it is yeah. and, and also uh as as we as we, we we try to get through this today we're gonna take our time it's the middle of the week we're going to take our time because God gave us a word today to give to you. So we're going to, we're just plodding along here, but we're trying to give practical steps in, in an impractical time, really, you know? And so, uh, again, the, the whole point of going to those particular examples and, and the excellent one, brother Jeremy contributed as well with father Abraham, uh, is that we're, 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 we're beginning to understand that it is right to respond, you know, practically as well as spiritually. The two go hand in hand. Understand that Satan's attack, you know, and his attacks through the year, they've been leading throughout history. That's what the scripture is revealing to these times we find ourselves in right now. And so what we want to see is how is that attack going to take shape? And are we witnessing it right now? And so let's go back to Revelation 2, 17, uh, 12, 17. I'm sorry, Brother Jeremy, could you read that to us? Revelation 12, 17. How does the attack begin? And the dragon. It says, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. As we've talked about before, uh, Revelation 12 gives a description of, of a war in heaven. And as we're as we're ending the in, as we begin to enter into the end times, what apparently happens is there's a conflict between uh, the Satan himself and his forces, and and Michael the archangel and the forces of heaven. The result is is that Satan himself is cast out of every single dimension that he has been able to traverse up until this specific time of the end. And then what we see is that he's cast in to the earth itself. And it's almost as if he comes to a realization that he no longer has access to multiple dimensions. Read that in verse 13, Brother Jeremy. Yes. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. The woman is referring to the nation of Israel, and we could talk about that at length, but that's not our subject today. My point is, is that it says the dragon saw he was cast out onto the earth. It, it, it's implying that he realizes that he no longer has access to the heavens. And, and so the, the verse before that, can you read the verse before that, Brother Jeremy? Verse 12? Yes. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, 
because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. That's pro- that's powerful what's said there, what's revealed to, to us by the Lord through his holy apostle John. We're being told here that, that the time that triggers uh, the events that are about to follow in Revelation 13 is a result of the enemy himself knowing that his time is short. That kind of language is is extremely descriptive and and weighty because this is a creature that has not known time as we do. This is an eternal creature of God, the highest order of being ever created. Even Michael the archangel won't bring a railing accusation against him according to the book of Jude. And so now he finds himself confined to time. And, and his response is, is to realize, in, in realizing that truth, he begins to turn his attention toward Israel and the church. And he begins to go forth in verse 17, like Brother Jeremy just read there, to make war with the remnant of her seed. Now, who is her seed? That is Jesus Christ. So and the remnant is the outer extremity of a garment. So it's referencing in time things. The remnant of Jesus Christ or the outer extremity of time and history, two focal points are given, identifying two groups. Can you read it again in verse 17, Brother Jeremy? Which those which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Two focal groups. Our interpretation of this scripture it simply means that the attention now begins to turn towards the godly of Israel and and the godly of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not keep the commandments as it pertains to the law, so we can look at it that way and identify that as being Israel. But we are those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, that is the Gentile church. So where he begins to direct his attention is, is to seek to destroy both the church and Israel. We know that all Israel will be saved, we, uh, those, that is, who turn to him. There is a remnant, one-third, that comes through the fire, uh, as, as is revealed to us in, in, in the book of Zechariah, at the final battle, which, will, which is shortly going to happen. Once this attention is turned towards her, it's going to happen, and, and it's going to happen quickly. So what is identified to us is that he seeks to destroy both the church and Israel. What's also interesting is if you remember uh, what the testimony of Jesus Christ is. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Uh, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> in, in, uh, yeah, in Revelation 19, verse 10. Could you read that to us? Yes, 19, verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So notice what's revealed there. When he goes to make war with the remnant of her seed, Revelation twelve seventeen. He goes to attack those who keep the commandments of God and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
his specific intent is to attack those who have the spirit of prophecy. That is, who understand the times and have this, the prophetic scriptures, uh, you know, being revealed to them. The spirit of prophecy, they understand. Why does he specifically target that group? <laughs> because they can they can expose him. And and they can declare the truth to a generation that has no clue what's going on. He needs to shut the prophetic voice down. I'm not talking about you fly by night, you know, people who label yourselves prophets and you got words and visions. No, no, he's talking about the, the very word of God flowing through the hearts of his servants in the end of time, the remnant of her seed who understand the times much like the sons of Issachar, and understood what they must do. It is who he strategically attacks. He's not attacking a false church, a compromised church, a backslidden church. He's attacking those, which also reveals to us that there will be, that the, the true church in the end time will understand prophetic events, that the spirit of prophecy will be flowing through them. Daniel describes them in Daniel chapter 12 as the wise who shall understand. This is who he goes after. He seeks to destroy both. Really, it's his final play, right? In many ways, it's a desperate attempt to overthrow the word of God as it's revealed by his holy prophets and apostles. But in truth, brothers, he's already been destroyed and defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary and by the resurrection. He's already defeated, but he, he goes to, in a last attempt, in a last ploy, in an aggressive great wrath as it's described, knowing he has a short time and realizing he's confined to the dimension of this 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 earth. He moves strategically to destroy the last remaining vestige or the end time vestige of the church because the prophetic word itself declares that we cannot be destroyed. It also tells us that we will be protected by the Lord. And that there will be the elect that are saved and the days will be cut short. He knows the word too. And he's going to try in his last ditch effort to overthrow those prophetic declarations. He will not be able to do it. Remember, <clears throat> he's the lawless one. <laughs> Christ won a legal battle. A victory by fulfilling the law of God. Jesus Christ became the rightful heir to all things. And therefore, he's the executor of the justice of God. It is he himself that's going to return and put an end to all satanic rebellion, praise the Lord. <laughs> that's what he's going to do. He's going to come and put him in his place. But he's attempting to reject and to overthrow what has already been decided. It's his last play. Yeah. So, <laughs> how does he strategically move? Well, let's look a little deeper. And we're getting close to, to wrapping this up here, but there's a few things we need to look at. How does he strategically move? Brother Jeremy, could you, uh, could you read to us verse 1 of chapter 13? Yes. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns 
and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So, so he goes to make war with the remnant of the seed. This is the end-time church and Israel, the Gentile bride and, and, and the Jewish bride herself. He goes to make war against them. Then when we cross over into Revelation 13, 1, what we begin to see is how he strategically is going to do that, how it begins to take shape, how he's going to bring this attack upon those that keep the commandments of God and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And it manifests itself in what John reveals, rising up out of the sea. But first, I want to I want to I want you to consider something. Notice that the Apostle John, like we talked about yesterday, he's standing on the sand, and so he he he's the embodiment of the end time saints that are having information and insight revealed to them. That's why John is being showed this. Remember, what he was shown when he wrote the Book of Revelation was two thousand years ago. And so he's the sole representative in many ways in, in the embodiment of it, in the vision itself that he's being given by the Lord Jesus Christ through his servant that he sent to signify these things to John. about. He, he is representative of the whole of the church. And so the fact that he's standing there watching this beast rise up out of the sea, it lets us know, again, we're talking about revelation by the Spirit and strategic insight to know that in the representation of the church seen in the Apostle John standing on the sea, and in the fact that he sees it beginning to rise up out of the out of the sea, it reveals to us that that there will be a body of believers who will see it happen. The church will see this happen. The discerning will see this happen. Now, I make no mistake about it. Not everybody's going to discern it, but John reveals in Revelation. 13.9, that it requires something. What is it, brother? Can you read that? 13.9? Yes. If any man have an ear, let him, let him, let him hear. Just, a, just an interesting little thing he throws in there, right? But, but what he's revealing there, and you have to understand, he, he, he doesn't say if anybody has ears to hear, Plural, he's, he's drawing our attention to a clue as to what will cause us to hear and discern what the Spirit is saying in these times. He identifies something that really harkens all the way back to the Levitical law. Paul called it being a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is those who, though they have the right to be free, they make a concerted choice all on their own, that they don't want to be free. They don't want to leave the master's house. They want to permanently and forever become the master's servant. And so what they would do is he would go and he would proclaim this allegiance to his master, and they would take him by the ear, and they would bring him to the doorpost of the house of the master, and they would bore his ear through with an awl, and he would be permanently marked on his ear as becoming a the exclusive property of his master. The condition of the end-time church who is going to witness, to see, to understand, and to discern is going to be brought in that kind of an absolute consecration to God. He that has an ear. Now listen. The next thing we see is what we were talking about the other day, the influence of the beast in verse 1. Because what John begins to witness 
is spiritual darkness emerging from fallen humanity and its expressed desire. That is why he uses the language in verse 1, rising up out of the sea. The sea, as we talked about yesterday, are the peoples, the nations, the tribes of the world, all the people of the world, fallen humanity, really. And then what begins to rise up out of them is seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns upon the heads, right? It's a beast rising up that takes this particular shape. And and it's really as if what is happening is the culmination of the entirety of human history and the attempt of every single global empire to give expression to dominance of the planet. Only this time, what John begins to see is all seven of the major global empires beginning to collectively rise out of humanity. This is the working of Satan that Brother Fernando quoted yesterday. His coming is after the working of Satan. This is the attempt of satanic will to express itself and dominate the earth, which, by the way, is the Lord's. It is a contested place. Now, listen. It begins to rise up out of the sea by the influence of the beast. Now, we've been talking about the beast as being completely separate and distinct from the dragon. The beast can be found in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. And 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 unless we don't know who he is, he's identified again in Revelation 11, verse 7, as the one who ascends out of the bottomless pit. We know his name is Abaddon in the Hebrew, Apollyon in the Greek. He is a separate entity. He is the word made flesh, the satanic word made flesh. He will become the possessor of a human body in Revelation chapter 13, verse 5. That's what we started our study with. A mouth was given unto him. That's when he takes the form of a human body and becomes that antichrist. But what we're seeing is his spiritual influence, because remember, he's been loosed from the bottomless pit in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. He's already been loosed. So his spiritual influence begins to move on collective humanity. That's what John begins to witness. And how it begins to emerge, and what we're being told here, is that humanity itself begins to desire a global state, a centralized collective desire to unify the world as one. This is how we know in our time that we are already seeing the dragon go to make war with the saints in that he has moved humanity in a massive way to begin to desire this collective they're all talking about, this global reset, this one world system, this climate agenda, this whole thing, burn the whole thing down. That's their mantra, right? Get rid of everything. Let's start. That's what we're seeing. See, many saw the riots this, and, you know, the burning of the churches, the Bibles that were being burned in the streets, the violence in the streets of Europe and America over the summer, right? And really the good people, the good and decent people couldn't understand how can people act this way? Well, <laughs> it, it, it's satanic. It's the beast rising through the sea. That's what we're seeing. If we know what we're truly seeing, then like we said, uh, we will have the ability to strategically respond and begin to prepare 
Now, brothers, I want you to jump in here when you feel inspired. Listen, we spoke yesterday. We're going to go a little deeper here. We spoke yesterday of the dragon's attempt to produce an unholy trinity. Pay attention. If that's the case, uh, then then we should see in these passages here that the same way that the Lord Jesus was presented in his earthly ministry, this Antichrist and Antichrist system will be presented much in the same way. I want you to think deeper. Put your spiritual ears on that. Remember, Jesus Christ was baptized. Then he began his public ministry for three and a half years. In Revelation 13, verse 1, we are witnessing a baptism. It is the beast rising up out of the sea. It is a baptism. It's a satanic baptism. He's imitating what the Lord did. It's not without note that the Apostle John was a witness to the baptism of Christ. And here in Revelation 13, 1, John the Apostle is witnessing a beast rise up out of water. It's a satanic baptism. And so here he stands to witness a baptism of the evil beast rising up, and John stands as an indictment against the system he sees rising. By the time we get to Revelation 13, 5, a mouth is given to the wicked one. In other words, the public evil ministry of the Antichrist begins, but he has to come up out of the water first. Jesus came up out of the water before his public ministry began. The Antichrist's ministry is going to be three and a half years. Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. Jesus, in his public ministry, he spoke against the wicked one. The son of perdition speaks against God. Jesus went forth to make war with the devil and his angels and demonic power, right? This evil one is going to make go forth and make war with the saints. The parallels are striking. But unlike our Lord, there will be no victory for the devil, praise God. <laughs> <Amen>. Hallelujah. <laughs> is there? I have a question, huh? Brother Barty. I have a question. Is there a hint here? what we're talking about that that the first ones who are going to be able to catch this uh the you know the these rising and you know it's the saints of god it's the gentile church that will first to begin in a sense to discern and then after comes the the um uh the jews the jews right who will find realize right that you know the the, think, the system yeah. and this enterprise, and it could it's kind of it, it's kind of the same. And I'm at, and I'm asking it because it's kind of the same. Like when Jesus came, you know, yeah. or even when John the Baptist began to, it, it was the people, the common people, you know, just that began to go and and see these things. And then after we see that uh, some of these Pharisees uh, opened up their eyes, the Nicodemus, uh, the Joseph, you know, that began to see. Yeah. Beyond that, do you see a? Um, yeah, absolutely. The, well, well, we do know that what Paul revealed to us is that the church is made up of both Jew and Gentile, right? 
Yes. And we do see a precedent in the sense that there was an attempt by the early church to maintain a walk in the law, keep the commandments, right, and serve the Lord at the same time. But a fuller expression comes in in, 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 in the separation of the church from Judaism. Our roots are there, but but the real church is made up of the two. Now, what we see is exactly what you're just saying is exactly right, because we're going to see ultimately what happens is that the Antichrist will move upon the city of Jerusalem itself. And and it will not be without an incredibly bloody and horrible and horrific uh, time of intense persecution that comes upon the Jew, as well as the church and the Gentile church. That is why both are represented here, because the initiation of the process that's going to ultimately lead to the final 42 months that we're talking about here which then turns its attention towards uh, war against the saints for a brief time and overcoming them, it begins by the rise of a global state. Only it is a global state that has unbelievable weight behind it. And what it seems to imply in some ways is that this, this beast that rises up out of the bottomless pit is the influencing satanic spirit that begins to try and and moves through the collective of rebellious humanity. But in the fact that he sees him rising up out of the sea, it is a symbolism of that satanic baptism expressed as how John witnesses it. Because the baptism happens first, if you can see it, then comes the mouth and the three and a half year public ministry. It's the same pattern. It is going to be seen in the same way, but on such a huge scale. And I hope you can ponder these things and God give give us light, right? So, so this is what we see. That's why we see the same mode of attack in reverse. And in essence, the unholy word becomes flesh in Revelation 13, 5. Now listen. So we see these parallels, but then we have information revealed to us. And again, we're talking about strategic response now. We want to know, okay, you've told me all this stuff. What are we witnessing? We are witnessing and we are well underway into this global agenda. We see it, but we also know that the fact that we see it and have seen it really coming into form and shape in our time, and especially in 2020, all the events we started off talking about nothing is random nothing is <laughs> there are no coincidences as, as one of my brothers says there are no conspiracies and there are no coincidences i think that's the infamous steve bannon he likes to say that a lot and i agree with it uh, so what we see here in, in in scripture what scripture is revealing to us is so that we know that there are no random acts of chance here what we are witnessing and what the discerning, he that hath an ear, right? What the discerning are beginning to understand, what's beginning to dawn on us is that the very fact that we are seeing the rise uh, and the coming together of the global state, it suddenly begins to give us insight into why the forces of darkness are fighting with an incredible ferocity to put out the last remaining light of what could be a platform and what should have been but gave way to compromise and, 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 and false prophets and false churches and false doctrines uh, and, and in essence took upon itself the spirit of Babylon instead of what it was meant to be a light to the whole world 
it yet holds within it the potential to still have some sort of awakening. Whether it will or whether it won't is yet to be determined, but what we do know is why we are seeing such a ferocious and blatant naked attempt to take and seize power of the freest nation on the face of the earth is precisely to remove it from its potential influence going forward and absorb it into the collective. That's what we see happening. The discerning understand this, and we know how far along we are, and it has already begun to take shape. And that satanic baptism and the expression of the of what has been a collective influence of satanic uh in, uh, you know, thought-provoking influence upon the minds of fallen humanity is beginning to take shape. But what what is revealed in Revelation 13:5 is he's not satisfied to simply influence the nation. He wants to be housed in a body. That's when he becomes Antichrist, the son of the devil. And we're not too far away from that. And then what begins to be revealed in Revelation chapter 13, verse 2, is is the next component, how the seven-headed dragon, the ten horns of the ten crowns, how it then furthers on and, and begins to manifest itself. We're talking about strategic satanic attack that is ultimately designed to come after Israel and the church. It begins by a collective desire of humanity to move in a direction that it wants to unify, it wants to remove all nation-state borders and become one world. It's returning back to the days of Nimrod, like Brother Fernando said the other day. The fact that we see it moving in that, that direction was meant to be a signal and a trigger to the discerning we've entered the end time. That's where we are. Then he begins to reveal to us how it's going to manifest itself in its dominating way. And what will begin to smoke out, if you will, the true church. But the framework has to first happen. And how is that revealed? Can you reveal that to us, Brother Jeremy, in, in verse 2 as, we, as we'll close for the day with this? And we'll pick it up from here tomorrow. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So today we won't talk about the dragon uh, at length, but we we will in in the next day or two. And, 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 and when we get to the conclusion of this series, I think you're going to be left with a sense of, <laughs> of astonishment. As I believe the Lord has given us insight into actually what's happening right now and, and why we can absolutely almost with 100% clarity, say that 2020 and the events leading up to 2020 began the end of time. And what we are literally seeing are the coming together of the nations of the world and the, and the time clock is being accelerated and we're headed into these events. But to conclude our study today, again, the study emphasized today the, the receiving of the spiritual information and the strategic response and what we are to look for. If we know what we're to look for, then we, then we can know how to strategically respond in the time of freedoms that we still have left. 
We do know, and that's why John called it the patience and the faith of the saints, that for a very brief time, we are not even going to be able to avoid it. But leading up to that time, we can ensure, as we're led by the Holy Spirit, how to properly respond. And this is going to be unique to each and every individual family. Uh, There's general principles involved here, but you're going to have to listen to what God tells you. And he will tell you if you ask him. So let's take a look real quick. Once this collective desire emerges, it then begins to take shape. And and how it's first revealed is the beast will be like a leopard. Those of you who have been with us, you understand as we've been over this time and time again, that the leopard, uh, it was the symbol that was given to the prophet Daniel of Alexander the Great and the great Greek empire. And what was the chief identifying uh, mark of the Greek empire and Alexander the Great was their war-making ability, the ability to impose military-like precision and will upon the nations of the known world of that time with speed. So the leopard represents the speed of military precision or or the police state. To put it in our, our times, what we're first being told is going to be to emerge is a system that has military-like precision, has the ability of the surveillance state, if you will. Um, it's really a construct that's emerged that's designed to enslave and to track. See, the whole purpose of the surveillance state is to keep their people in line. It's, it's, it's a police action. It's a military-like action. It's it's the force or the threat of force of arms, if you will. It's the ability to police and control. And so what John was being shown was that when you, at the end of time, when you begin to see a leopard-like system emerge, which has the qualities of an Alexander, in other words, it can move with speed and it can implement its own, uh, you know, corrective measures. And so I think what we have been witnessing in the emergence of the surveillance state is the framework and the construct that the enemy has allowed to come to pass through the technological revolution that has literally enslaved the whole world. And we can recognize that we're living in it. Leopard is well global now. And, And listen, so we know this. But how do we respond? How do we strategically respond to this? Well, I'm just going to give you a little thing here, like the Lord was speaking to me. Understand, what we need to understand is that everything we are doing is being quantified and categorized and cataloged. And we better reflect with the wisdom and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, how are we going to engage from these days going forward in this technological superstate? We need to be very wise about how we interact in this leopard-like construct, this military lightning-like speed that has the quality of Alexander the Great's armies in a sense. It's a police state. It's a surveillance state. It's Big Brother, and it's all around us. The very phone we're speaking on right now, man, all of it's going up into the cloud, right? Everything's being categorized. Every word is being weighed. 
everybody is being tracked. And so we as the church, if we're going to be wise and strategic, we better listen to the Holy Spirit and we better be very careful going forward how we say what we say, what we do, what we purchase, what we look at, everything, brothers, everything, sisters. You better be wise because the time will ultimately come which the Bible goes on to reveal, where that will be the ultimate identifier, that there will be a leap into the technology of it all that requires both a spiritual and practical component, right? The mark of the beast, you know, the infamous mark of the beast led by a spiritual leader telling us to take it. It's the worship of the system. That ultimately is what's going to be the thing that that flushes out the true church. And then it's that time frame that we're told that will be limited in scope, brief, but intense. There'll be those that will will be required to make the ultimate sacrifice, and there will be those that are preserved in the midst of it. Both will occur because Jesus told us when he returns, it will be precisely to rescue the elect, those that have endured and survived and then are caught up together before the ultimate wrath of God is poured out. So number one, the leopard is well underway. Just go ask anyone who tries to put anything on Twitter that goes against the conscious you know, stream of the culturally woke of our day. They're deplatforming conservative thought and religious thought all over the world. The second thing is the bear, right? The feet of the bear. That represents the Medo-Persian Empire that was famous for making law. So what we're being told there is that we need to pay attention to global law. What are they doing? What are they trying to do? Our response to this kind of information, I'm going quickly over this now, is understand understand it's what they're saying they want to do. And so we need to position ourselves, uh, you know, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to avoid the penalties of the law in advance until the law itself bumps up against our convictions and faith and allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have no choice. But until then, lay low. I guess everything we're saying here is lay low in that sense. Be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. Be wise understanding the times that we're living in and how ferocious they're actually going to get. And like we've been talking about, we're living in incredibly volatile times from day to day. We don't know what's going to happen this afternoon, for goodness sake. And the nation itself that we find ourselves living in where we're broadcasting from is absolutely divided and being shredded and torn apart by a global elite and agenda and those who have sold us out down the river. But but that has occurred precisely because we failed to, to walk in obedience to God as a church for generations now. And what we were given at the end of it all is a bunch of fluffy-haired false prophets who have absolutely no word, and now the church doors are shut, and the sheep indeed are wandering around as sheep that have no shepherd. But God is speaking by his Spirit and reaching us if you if you can see it, if you can hear it. And we're desperately trying to implement these very same understandings into our own personal lives and, and our families and reaching out to you as our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You take it for whatever you want, but let the Spirit bear witness in your heart. 
And then finally, the lion. We know that that's, that's spiritual compromise. That's the Babylonian influence. That's uh, the ecumenical component. That's the coming together of all the world's religions. And so we need to respond in kind, knowing that these things are all flourishing in our time. We need to walk in the spirit, and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need to be true and solid in the word of Almighty God and not compromise. And those are just a few things. I mean, we got the. This isn't the platform where we can dig into every single one of them. We just wanted to bring them to your attention, and primarily, and bottom line, basically say we are well into these signs, and we must both spiritually and strategically, as Brother Jeremy said earlier, practically respond. It's vital. The Lord, in His love, has revealed everything to us. He's expecting us to grow up. We are his church. He's returning soon. We rejoice in the word. And I don't know, I could say it dramatically. I mean, let's take our place on the stage of history. Not as those who cower in fear, but boldly. Like our brothers and sisters before us who witnessed a good witness. They stood as lights in a dark world, and and they were witnesses against that very darkness. And in our time, it has fallen to us. But understand, the days of darkness are numbered. Our Lord is coming for his church. That is our blessed hope, and he will come. For his word is true, and not one thing he ever revealed down through the generations failed to come to pass. It's the anchor of our soul. So let us rejoice in that and let us lay hold of his promises. Let us be like Enoch in, in Hebrews 11, 5, right? Or before, he, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything else? Praise God. These are... Uh... Uh, you gave uh, great, great, um, these are great parallels and examples that we, when you spoke right now about the leopard, feet of the bear, the mouth of the lion. And, I mean, if we can't see it, I mean, I don't know how how else we can put it for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and how clear, I, I think the the spirit of God is being clear where we're at in time and the development of all these things. Uh, it's no longer an outside influence. It's in our nation. And it's, and it's, and it's globally. And it's here to stay. So I pray that, uh, today's podcast was a, um, you know, blessed you today and is helping you to, to understand and, and grasp what really is taking place in this hour. I pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue to study. I believe tomorrow uh, the Lord will, will continue to uh, speak to us. Perhaps we'll have that time to go into the dragon, as Brother Marty said, and get a little bit more insight of this dragon and, and in the book of Revelation. So uh, be studying, be praying, be praying for one another. Uh, things can always change from here to tomorrow. That's the way things are happening right now. Continue to pray for one another. Pray for our brothers and sisters. 
in uh, Central America who just went through a hurricane in Honduras and parts of Guatemala, and it looks like it's heading now uh, towards the Florida, Florida area around the yeah. East Coast. So uh, be praying for our brothers. We love you, and uh, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you, and as always, keep looking up. <laughs>